Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Am, I, am I on? Am I good? Okay. Uh, I, I'm excited to be here. Uh, this is your first time, well, not your first time, but you've heard a little bit about me, and you're seeing me for the first time, but I have been watching you all for months. Uh, so those who are watching online, I was one of you for, for, for many, many months watching what was going on, trying to early on in the process, read into what the PNC was announcing and going, oh, were they talking about me? Were they talking about somebody else? They didn't give me any, any tips. Needless to say, I'm glad we're here this morning. Uh, I'm excited to, to preach. I'm excited to celebrate with you afterwards. And, and I'm incredibly excited for what the future holds uh, for this church and for our family. Uh, so thank you for having me. I'm continuing the series, uh, we're continuing the series that Pastor Brian kicked off last week, uh, titled Empowered, based on this passage that was just read by Arlene, Romans 12, where we're talking about these spiritual gifts. Uh, and I do just want to uh, recap a few of the things Pastor Brian said last week, because they're going to come up again this week, uh, and I'm anticipating, I don't know what is going to be preached the next few weeks, but I'm anticipating you're going to hear a lot of the same things, and so just get ready uh, for what you're going to hear. Uh, and so a few of the things Pastor Brian shared is, is in, in these gifts that God has given is we are not doing them out of our own strength, uh, specifically. These are, these are gifts. They have been given to us by God. Uh, and so we are operating not out of our own strength, but out of God's strength. So if you're feeling pressure you can take a breath. And that actually was for me to take a breath, okay, as leading out of God's strength. And then just, I want to recap the gifts that were talked about. So we had the gift of prophecy, the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of encouraging, of giving, of leadership, and of mercy. And one of the other things Pastor Brian mentioned is that these are all? These are not all the gifts that God offers, uh, but this grouping of gifts in particular are, he called them functional or motivational gifts, uh, which means that they're for the benefit of others. Uh, so these are not gifts that are supposed to be kept to yourself uh, or to benefit yourself. They are for other people. And so today we're going to be talking about the gift of leadership. Uh, it felt fitting coming here, uh, candidating to be the lead pastor. Uh, and so we're going to talk about leadership, and the question I am uh, thinking about this morning, the question I want us to wrestle with, the question I'm hoping I can answer for you this morning, is how did Jesus lead? If we're going to try to figure out how to use the gift of leadership, I can't think of anyone better than Jesus to, to model our own type of leadership after. And so we're going to be looking at a passage from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. Uh, and this is something I like. Would you, if you're able, would you stand uh, for the reading of the word with me? Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me before sitting? Heavenly Father, this morning, I ask that you would, you would open our eyes, you would open our ears and our hearts to hear your word. And I just pray that in, in this place uh, and in this moment, that I would decrease, that every single person in here would decrease, and that you, Lord, would increase. And pray these things in your name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So Pastor Brian, uh, I think he gave me first choice uh, of the gifts. And when he gave me first choice, my instinct was to pick a gift that I don't think I'm very good at. I wanted to pick a gift uh, one of these gifts from the list that I could come in and go, hey, here's a gift that I need to improve on, and here's how you also can improve in this gift. And in case you're wondering, I was going to pick encouragement. Uh, not that I can't encourage or I don't encourage, but it's something I always wished I was better at. Uh, and I had two problems with this. Uh, you know, I picked this because, first of all, it felt there's something in me and I'm sure some of you feel this too, it just feels wrong to say you're good at something. All growing up, uh, I played sports. I played baseball, I played soccer, and I was, I, I was pretty good at these sports. But if you asked me if I was good, I would say, no, I'm not that good. There's people who are much better than me. In the hopes of when we actually played, I exceeded your expectations. That was the idea. I set, I set the bar low so that when we actually competed, I was, you're like, oh, you are pretty good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, nothing. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to do with these gifts. It felt wrong to be like, you know, I'll pick leadership. Yeah, I'm coming up here. And, and, and it felt braggy to me. But... I think that's the wrong mindset, and, and I think it's the wrong mindset for two reasons. The passage in Romans does not say, hey, here are these seven or eight gifts, and uh, you know, some of them you're good at and some you won't, and make sure you improve on the ones you're not good at. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying you've got gifts. I've given them to you, or God has given them to you. Use them, okay? And God, for some reason, keeps allowing me opportunities to lead, and I... That's not something I should be ashamed of. I'm not trying, no bragging. It's just how it is. And some of you are good at other things as well. The second thing is I thought that this mindset of like, no, 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 I'm not that good. That's, that's like what humble, I, I thought that's, that's being humble. I'm not bragging about myself. I'm lowering my position. 
That is not what being humble is. Uh, and so before we get into this gift of leadership, and, and I think it'll be important as we start all of these uh, list of, of gifts, that we have a clear understanding of what humility actually is and what it is to operate out of humility. And so I have a, a few things. I don't think the dictionary actually is very uh, helpful here. The dictionary definition is a modest or low view of one's own importance. That's what the dictionary says. The problem with this is that in the passage I just read, it says that Jesus humbled himself. I don't think Jesus had a low view of his own importance. I think Jesus knew exactly how important he was. I think he knew exactly what he was going to do. But he still lowered himself in some way. And so I want to I have a definition that we can work with. There is a book called Humilitas, or Humilitas by John Dixon. Uh, and what he does is he's a historian. And what he did is he looked at leaders throughout history trying to figure out uh, where this idea of humility came from. Uh, and one of the main ideas in his book is he fully believes that some of the most influential and powerful leaders of all time were actually marked by humility. And his definition of humility uh, is this, and this is what we're going to start with. He says, humility is the noble choice to forego your status, deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. The noble choice to forego your status, deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. It is a choice to do this. Uh, and it is not about lowering your own self-importance, but it does have something to do with lowering your status. And what we're going to see as we look at this Philippians passage is Jesus did just this. He lowered his status, chose to let it go for the benefit of others. And so I've got three ideas I want us to take away uh, this morning. Three, three main points, which is the classic sermon style, okay? Three points of how did Jesus lead and then how can maybe we lead following that or imitating that. And here's the first one. Jesus didn't lead with a very top-down, authoritative, here's the way you do it and you're going to listen to my authority. He didn't lead in, in a top-down type of way. He led from a very bottom-up type of a position. And what we see, that we see this in the passage of Philippians, so I want to read it again, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was his mindset when he was leading? It says he was in very nature God, but he did not use that position to his own advantage. Instead, rather, he made himself nothing. He chose to make himself nothing. He chose to take the very nature of a servant. And he was made in human likeness, and he was found in the appearance as a man, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And what I want to throw out to you is that this bottom-up approach to Jesus' leadership is found all throughout the Gospels. First of all, this passage uh, stresses that the way Jesus died was actually an act of lowering himself. Uh, in those times, crucifixion was the most shameful way to die. There were people who thought Jesus could not be the Messiah. There is no way he was the Messiah because the Messiah would never die such a shameful death. Uh, and that was a deal breaker 
for many people. Even the act of him coming down and becoming a human being was literally Jesus lowering himself from the highest position we can even imagine, coming to be a human with us. A few more examples. John 13, and at the end of the Gospels, when Jesus is with his disciples right before the Last Supper, and what he does is he lowers himself and washes their feet. He literally takes the lowest position uh, in that meeting and serves his disciples. Luke 22, Jesus actually states that he claims that he came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so in addition to this this lowering that Jesus did, we see that he didn't just lower himself uh, underneath people, but what he did is he actually used that lowered position to raise others up. He like put himself beneath people, and then what he did is he doesn't keep his authority, but he actually uses it, and he gives it away to other people. He ends up giving authority away. He gives power. He gives opportunities away. In Luke 9, he sends out his disciples, and he says that he gives them authority to cast out demons. In John 14, he says, I've done all these great things, and guess what? You're going to do even greater things uh, than I did. And in Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission passage, we see that Jesus claims, I have all authority. All authority and power has been given to me. And so what does he do? He gives it to his disciples and says, go. You're going to continue the work that I I started. This type of bottom-up leadership is not unique to Jesus. Uh, so many of you know, might know the work by Jim Collins, Good to Great. It's still, I think, one of those bestseller business books that's been around forever. Uh, Jim Collins is a business analyst, and what he did in this book is he looked at 11 companies who just outperformed the market by a long shot, and he was trying to figure out what do these companies do that the other companies don't. And one of the pieces that he found that these great companies have is what he called a level five leader. And what was interesting about these level five leaders is they were often marked not by these great big personalities or or big charismatic people who could rally the troops, but they were often marked by humility. So listen to this quote uh, from his book. He says, we were surprised Shocked, really, to discover the type of leadership required for turning a good company into a great one. Compared to the high-profile leaders with big personalities who make headlines and become celebrities, the good-to-great leaders seem to have come from Mars. (laughs) Self-effacing, quiet, reserved, even shy, these leaders are a paradoxical blend of personal humility and professional will. They're more like Lincoln and Socrates than Patton or Caesar. I think he could have thrown Jesus in there. They're more like Jesus than they are like these other guys. Weirdly, we often think of leadership. Some of us default to leadership uh, in this very top-down type of way. And this bottom-up stuff that Jesus does, it's harder. It, It is not as easy as bossing people around, but it's better. Uh, This type of top-down leadership, the way we see it by Jesus, the way Jim Collins saw it in these companies, this paradoxical type of leadership uh, is actually more effective. So that's the first point. Jesus was a bottom-up leader. The second is this, and this isn't uh, groundbreaking, but I'll I'll explain it. Uh, And the second point is simply this. Jesus led people. Verse 3 
of our passage. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I am guilty of this, and I'm sure some of you are as well, that when we are leading a group of people, it is easy to get so focused on the finish line, it is so easy to get focused on what you are trying to accomplish, that you actually neglect the people you have been given to lead. In the Romans passage that describes these gifts, it's really quick when it talks about leadership. Um, if, Paul says, if you have been given the gift of leadership to do it, and the word he uses is diligently. Uh, if you are, are tasked with leading, do it diligently. And the way this word is translated in the Bible, diligently is perfectly good. It means with like an earnestness or with a zeal. Lead well uh, if you are given this gift. But another way this Greek word is translated in the New Testament is also, it, it could be leading with a good will toward the other person, or leading with a devotion for people. Uh, and so Paul, what he could be saying here is that when you are leading, make sure you are leading with a special care for the people that you are actually leading. I don't know how many of you are uh, familiar with a TV show called Ted Lasso on Apple TV. I recommend it. I like it a lot. Um, Ted Lasso is a guy who was an American football coach who is given the task of coaching soccer in England. And he knows nothing about soccer. But he knows a lot about leading. Uh, and when he gets uh, over to coach this team, his team doesn't do very well, all right? It doesn't help if you, don't, you have a guy that doesn't really know much about soccer, coaching soccer. And he's questioned about this often. The reporters come to him and they're like, you're not doing very well, and they're just praying that he would leave uh, and a new coach who actually knows what he's doing would be hired. But what you see Ted do is he's, he's very calm uh, and he's very sure of what he is supposed to do. And he says it's clearly, very early on in the show, he goes, winning and losing are not how I measure success. I don't measure success by wins and losses. The way he says he measures success is I measure success by making sure the guys I'm coaching become the best versions of themselves, both on and off the field. He knew, or knows, and he's a fictional character, I realize that, but he is very aware that the main priority, the main responsibility in leadership, the way Jesus modeled leadership, is to actually lead the people, uh, to actually care for the people you are leading. Uh, whereas many of us would go, the goal is to win and get there by any means necessary, no matter who I have to run over or who I have to override to actually get there. And so I want to look at a couple examples of Jesus doing this. Again, Jesus did this type of leadership, bottom-up leadership and then leading people throughout his ministry. Yes, he spoke to large crowds. He did. But most of his time was spent with only 12 of them. Most of his time, Jesus was a small group leader. Most of his time was spent having meals. Most of his time was spent teaching. Most of his time was spent doing life in the dirt, uh, modeling, seeing, laughing. Uh, who knows what these guys were doing? But he spent time with people. 
uh, knowing that these were the people he was going to raise up, these were the people he was going to empower, these were the people he was going to send off. You see it also in the way he just cares for people. There, there are a number of stories where Jesus interacts with someone and there is just a, a one-on-one looking this person in the eye, loving on this person. You see it in the, with the Samaritan woman uh, at the well. Uh, he sits and he talks with her and he speaks to her on her level. Um, and he tells her things that, personal things that she didn't know anybody else knew. He does this with the woman who, who grabs his cloak, uh, who was suffering from bleeding for a number of years, and he stops and he looks at her and he tells her that her faith has healed her. I read this somewhere that the, the emotion that Jesus is seen exhibiting the most in the Gospels, he, he showed emotions in the Gospels, and the one we see the most is that he was often moved with compassion. So he actually saw someone hurting, he saw someone who was in need, or he heard somebody calling out. Jesus often did this when he was on his way to do something else, and he stopped. And it says he was moved with compassion and he moved towards the people and he cared for them on a very personal level. And if we're going to lead by Jesus, like Jesus, if we're going to try to do this, you cannot do it. You cannot do it well without loving the people you are, you are leading. Jesus led from the bottom up. He led people. And the third point is this. Where he was leading them was important. He led them to God. Listen to this uh, final couple verses from the Philippians passage. He says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father question that I heard in a sermon, gosh, I think when I was like 19, has been percolating in there ever since. And it is this question, is God a means or is he the end? Is God a means or is he the end? And what that question is asking is, is God just this all-knowing, personal, all-powerful being that helps you get to your goals? that helps you become happy someday, that helps you feel fulfilled? Or is God the actual end you are pursuing? And what I want to make the case to you is that God is the end, that the reason for which you and I were created is to know and to be known by God. And will we feel satisfied? Will we feel fulfilled? Yes, but that is not the primary purpose for which we were created. We were created to know and to be known by God. And the fulfillment and the satisfaction comes from that alone. And as Pastor Brian said last week, the, the interesting thing about God is it's also God who gives us the strength and the skills and the talents necessary to do that. God, God weirdly is the means, yes, uh, but he's also the end. God is drawing people back to himself. I think churches struggle with this. I've worked in churches long enough, uh, and I've seen this. this. This isn't an indictment on any particular church. I think it is just human nature uh, to lose sight of what the goal is. In church ministry, I've noticed that there are three things we often focus on, three, three measures of success we tend to do, and there are three Bs, bodies, budgets, and buildings. Uh, 
If more people are coming to church, you're doing something right. If you're building new buildings, you're doing something right. If the budget is going up, which the finance team would be very happy about, you're doing something right. And what I want to throw out to you is that it is so possible for all of those things to be going well and for people to be getting further and further from God. Uh, It is possible for us to think we're doing well uh, and for us, as I said, to be getting further and further from God, for none of us to actually be being transformed or becoming more like Jesus. I think the reason we do this is you can measure bodies, budgets, and buildings. You can see them happening. You can see a spreadsheet. You can see growth over time or decline over time. And if you're measuring transformation, it is so hard to measure. And what I want to point out is the only way I think you do measure transformation is you need to know people on a very, very deep and personal level. And you need to know them not just for a moment, you need to know them for a a long period of time. So that one day, you might be able to see somebody and you go, hey, I know that normally when your kid does this, five years ago, you would have reacted with anger. And now, I noticed you paused and prayed. That's a step of growth. And I don't know how you measure that. Uh, other than just knowing someone, uh, seeing what they are doing, and affirming that growth. I don't think it's an accident that Jesus spent time with 12 guys only uh, and made sure that he devoted his time to those 12 that he could get to know, that he could teach, that he could call out when they did something wrong because they had that type of relationship. This doesn't only apply to church leadership either. All right, some of you might be going, I'm not a leader in the church. You know, I don't have the title of leader. But I want to throw out to you, whether you realize it or not, you're leading somebody. If you are a parent, you are leading your kids. If you work somewhere, you don't need to be above somebody in the org chart to lead them. Uh, If you are a student, you will be shocked to see how many people are actually watching what you are doing and how much influence you actually have on your peers. I feel this temptation as a parent. I really want my kid to behave uh, when we go out. I do. I, I want him to I want him to do well in school. I want him to go to a good college. I want him to be successful in whatever he pursues. But if he achieves all those things and, ha- and, and leaves his relationship with God, I failed as a leader. Uh, I did not do what I was supposed to do. And if you were to watch me day in and day out, I guarantee you I spend way more time wanting him to behave and do well in school and do certain things than I do praying with him. Um, I'm hope I'm, I don't think I'm alone in this. I, if you were to just watch me, I spend so much more time focusing on the things that don't really matter than I do on the actual things that do matter. I don't know why. It takes so much effort. Uh, it takes so much intentional uh, discipline and focus to go, I need to pause or I need to shift and I need to make sure my son knows that he is loved by God and he is loved by me, not because of his grades, not because of what he accomplishes, not because of any of that. That's my job as a parent. Grandparents, that's your job as grandparents. 
all right? In your workplace, you can lower yourself, choose to lower your status, and you can serve those people around you. Uh, at school, you can lower yourself and you can serve those people around you. Jesus' marching orders at the end of the book of Matthew to go and make disciples, for any like military guys out there, that's our last order, all right? And it has not been taken away and it has not changed. So that is still the marching orders, is to go and to make disciples. That is the reason for which you and I were created. That is the reason we interact with each other. That is the reason we have been given these opportunities to lead. And so my hope and my prayer for myself, uh, for my ch this church, for my family, for, for all of us, is that when we are given opportunities to lead, when we are put in situations to lead, again, whether they are formal, whether you are leading an entire church or one person, is that we would take the time to really, really wrestle. Are we leading like Jesus? Okay? Are we lowering ourselves? Or are we just wagging our finger, do this, do that, uh, holding authority over people? Are we actually caring for the people that have been put under our, our supervision or under our care? Do we have compassion? Do we actually love those people? And then lastly, uh, you can have all the love in the world, and I want to make the case to you that the most loving and compassionate thing you can do for the people you are leading is to bring them to God. That is the reason for which they were created. That is the reason we come and we worship every single morning. That is why we have Sunday school. That is why we live these lives, uh, because we have a God who loves us. We have a God who has, is reaching out for us, a God who pursues us so that we might pursue and lead those around us. And so with that, would you all bow your heads uh, in a word of prayer with me? Gracious and heavenly God, we first and foremost want to uh, admit and confess that we do not always lead like you do. God, there are times where we are so focused on our own goals, on our own measures of success, that we neglect you and the pursuit of you. God, I pray that as parents, I pray that as church staff, I pray that as coworkers and students, I pray that you would reveal to us all of the ways that we might be leading those around us. I pray that you would reveal to us ways that we might serve those around us. I pray that you might help us see others the way you see them, with a love and a compassion that only you could possibly have. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you uh, for the love and the kindness that my family and I have felt here uh, at Good Shepherd. And I just pray, God, that you would lead, um, both now and, and in the many, many years to come. 